Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, experiencing the outdoors, having epic adventures, and accomplishing your hunting goals. At Hunt the West, my only goal is for you to get out and hunt. And getting out there and hunting can look a lot different for a lot of different people. And as you probably gathered from this episode, long-range hunting, ethics, like fair chase, this topic is something that is going to mean a lot of different things to different people. The goal of every ethical hunter is to have a quick, clean kill. Um, We don't want any unnecessary suffering. I think everybody agrees on that. There's always going to be some outliers, but in general, everyone agrees that we want a quick, clean, ethical kill. So here's what I want to talk about. If you go on YouTube or something and you watch a video of somebody shooting a deer or an elk at a thousand yards, you're going to see basically two types of comments. First one, something around, nice shot. That was awesome. The second one is, how dare you shoot that far? So I used to be more on the side of that second type of commenter. This is something that I've actually changed my opinion about a little bit and it has adjusted and gotten a little bit as I've understood more. Uh, My opinion has kind of gotten a little bit more nuanced. So that type of conversation is what I want to talk about today. So to help illustrate this, let's imagine a guy. This guy goes out to the range every day. He reloads his own ammunition. He built his rifle from the ground up and he knows every single thing about his setup. He knows the number of grains of powder in every cartridge because he loads it himself. He knows the coefficient of variation on how much each bullet weighs. He knows his muzzle velocity. He knows the amount of energy carried downrange at every distance. He knows the torque specs on his scope rings. He knows all this stuff because he's tested it and done it himself. He knows exactly how his bullet is affected by the current elevation, the wind. He knows how many MOA his bullet moves when there's a 5 mile an hour wind. He knows how his shots are going to group when the humidity is 15% versus when the humidity is 85%. Um, He can ring a 12-inch steel plate at 1,000 yards every single time. And as he's doing this, he wonders if he can do it at 1,200. So he backs up, and then he rings it again, 1,200. Ding. And then he backs up to 1,300. Ding. So there's this guy. Okay. Then there's another type of hunter. And he decides he wants to go hunting. And the night before opening day, he runs over to his grandpa's house, pulls out the rifle out of the safe, sees a couple of scope rings in there and a scope, and he throws it on, bolts it down, throws it in his truck, and drives down the dirt road. Each of these guys goes hunting. So the first guy, he gets to his spot, he crests this hill, and on the other side of the basin, he glasses up a buck. It's a mile away bedded under a cliff he drops down the canyon comes up the other side to a knob and now he's about 900 yards away the deer's still bedded but now his angle doesn't allow him for a clean shot through the vitals he decides he'll wait until the deer stands up he waits all day long and just before it gets dark the deer stands up but instead of turning broadside it walks straight away into the timber and he doesn't get a shot The next morning, he goes to that same spot, finds the same buck in the same bed, 
And he goes to that same knob. He's 900 yards away. He's in the same position. The buck's in the same position. No vitals are visible. So he turns around, drops behind the rise, goes down into the bottom of the canyon, comes up the same ridge as the buck from below. The buck stays bedded, and he gets to a spot that now is 785 yards. He has a clean shot of the vitals. Now below this buck is a field of shale. No trees, no cover between him and the deer. There's cliffs above above the deer and on three sides. He can't get any closer. He lays down prone, gets all set up, 785 yards, squeezes off around, and through the scope he watches the vapor trail of the bullet. And as it arcs and drops right into the vitals of that deer, and the deer doesn't even get up. Deer's legs are still folded under it, and it's laying there dead. The second guy goes hunting. He takes his truck up the dirt road, parks it, walks over the hill, and spooks a group of deer out of a thicket about 50 yards from him. He pulls up his grandpa's rifle, shoots at the buck that's in the group while it's running, hits it in the jaw. It keeps going. He shoots again, hits it in the leg. Deer falls down, but it gets up and starts hobbling away. He shoots again, hits it in the spine, It falls down. It's still alive, but it can't run away because it got hit in the spine. And he walks over there closely, finally puts one through the vitals, and it's dead now. He never took a shot over 50 yards. So I think everyone would agree that the second one is not a clean, quick, ethical kill. Now, obviously, these are two extremes of the spectrum of hunters. Most people are not even capable of shooting accurately at 1,100 yards, 1,000 yards, Most people don't hunt without a rifle that's not sighted in. Um, Most people are somewhere in the middle of these two extreme examples. But the question that comes up with these is fair chase. The concept of fair chase is something we talk about all the time in the hunting community. I'm not sure who coined the term, but I know that the Boone and Crockett Club has a definition of fair chase, and it's a pretty good definition. Boone and Crockett is the oldest conservation group in North America. They have just consistently held the standard for conservation and fair and ethical hunting practices. So if they have a a definition of it, I think it's a good definition. So here is straight off their website what is defined as fair chase. It says, fair chase as defined by the Boone and Crockett Club is the ethical sportsmanlike and lawful pursuit and taking of any free-ranging, wild, big-game animal in a manner that does not give the hunter an improper or unfair advantage over the game animals. Now, we could dissect and nitpick at individual words that statement, but they clarify it with nine points underneath that definition. And I'll just read those off, and then we can talk about them a little bit. Number one, the fair chase hunter knows and obeys the law, and insist other do others do as well. Two, he understands that it is not only about what is legal, but also what is honorable and ethical. Number three, defines unfair advantage as when the game does not have reasonable chance of escape. And that comes from their definition. So unfair advantage is, according to them, when the game does not have a reasonable chance of ex- escape. That's unfair advantage. If it doesn't have a reasonable chance of escape. Number four, cares about and respects all wildlife and the ecosystems that support them 
which includes making full use of game animals taken. Measures success not in the quantity of game taken, but by the quality of the chase. Number six, embraces the no guarantees nature of hunting. Number seven, uses technology in a way that does not diminish the importance of developing skills as a hunter or reduces hunting to just shooting. Number eight, knows his or her limitations and stretches the stock, not the shot. Number nine, takes pride in the decisions he or she makes in the field and takes full responsibility for his or her actions. So obviously a lot of those are more pertinent than others in this conversation about long range shooting and hunting. So let's talk about the one, number seven, uses technology in a way that does not diminish the importance of developing skills as a hunter or reduces hunting to just just, just shooting. So let's talk about that one. So there are skills required, obviously, for shooting long distance. It takes is not easy to shoot something at a thousand yards at 1200, 1300 yards. When you get out to those distances, you everything, everything affects the bullet. Like, so it's it comes down to your equipment, your technique, and your knowledge about your weapon. And the, and the situation too. I'm not really, I don't consider myself a long range shooter. I, I've shot my rifle out to 600 yards. I haven't shot any farther than 600 yards ever. So I, I don't know the ins and outs of super hardcore long range shooting, but I do know about hunting. And I know that this principle about developing skills as a hunter is really important to the experience as a hunter. So when you talk about unfair advantage, when I first read that sent that statement, it feels like, um, of course the hunter has an unfair advantage. We have rifles. Like, how is a deer going to get away from a rifle? That's absurd. So how do you expect to have fair chase if you're hunting with a rifle? But the truth is, um, it still takes skills of knowledge of the animal, of their movements, and how to move in space to get close to get a rifle shot. Obviously, there are different levels of skill that are required between shooting an animal with a bow or like a compound bow or a, or a trad bow, traditional bow, like a recurve or a long bow. You're going, there's different techniques and tactics and levels of skill as hunters. And we're all on a spectrum. I don't think that you have to cripple yourself to make it fair for the animal. I just, there's just no clean way to, or a clean definition how to have a standard for people. That's just, it's too vague. So I like the way that they've worded this, that the fair chase hunter uses technology in a way that does not diminish the importance of developing skills as a hunter or reduces hunting to just shooting. So there's shooting and there's hunting. And I think that they distinguish between those because the skills, although they can overlap in their application, like a shooter can be really good at shooting and then have their target be an animal. But just having that ability of long range shooting does not necessarily ensure that you have skills as a hunter. I'm not saying that long range shooters don't have skills as a hunter, but if you're thinking about you as an individual, when you shoot at an animal, did you have that opportunity because you maneuvered in on that animal and you understand 
how to get closer to that animal or do you have that opportunity because you are a good shooter and you would not have it if you didn't have the skills as a hunter like i i hope that kind of makes sense it kind of goes in hand in hand with the next one number eight the fair chase hunter knows his or her limitations and stretches the stock not the shot so i would imagine if if somebody had an open shot at 785 and they were like oh my last shot was 790 and i want to do one that's over 800 so they back up and shoot at 805 just so they can say that they shot at 805 that is like in direct conflict with this principle that they define in the Boone and Crockett Club, stretching the stock, not the shot. So ideally what we should be doing as hunters is getting as close as possible because that limits the amount of error that, or the potential error that could occur when you touch that shot off that bullet is in the air for a long time at a thousand yards despite having the fastest rifle it's it's up there for a long time so a lot can happen wind can change things the animal moving is probably the most unpredictable and likely scenarios that the animal moves during that time when you're target shooting the target doesn't move so i think i'm not going to tell anybody what distance they should or shouldn't shoot but this principle of stretching the stock not the shot can kind of put into perspective if you're following the fair chase rules they're not rules they're just kind of principles that we should follow as fair chase hunters so that's why in that example i it's a hypothetical example but that hunter had that opportunity at 900 but the the shot wasn't right And so they try to get as close as they could, but there's shale and a cliff and there's no other way to get closer to that animal. And then at that point, like you can still spook an animal at 800 yards if you don't know what you're doing. If you're making too much noise or you're moving out in the open, you can still spook something off it at 800 yards. Um, I'm not so sure about 1300 or 1400 or, you know, those long distance, like, There's no way that the deer could ever, even the smartest, most capable deer is not going to know that you're even there. So when you talk about unfair advantage, um, where the game does not have a reasonable chance of escape, you have to have some chance to detect your enemy. Um, or you know, you have to have some kind of chance to detect your, the predator that's hunting you. If you have a reasonable chance of escape. So if you stalk in really close on a deer and lie in wait or whatever, if you fooled their senses and got in close, that animal still had the chance of escape because it could have taken a different route, but your skills as a hunter outsmarted the deer. So when you're sitting back at 1300 yards and you have a shot on an animal, um, my question for the, the hunters who shoots that range is first could you get closer and second if you're going to take that shot at 1300 and you're not going to get any closer is it because your skills as a hunter like your hunting skills that provided you that opportunity or is it your skills as a shooter that is providing you that opportunity and that distinction is what 
the Boone and Crockett Club helps us understand as um, using technology, you know, like a modern center fire rifle with a 20x scope on it. That's technology. Are you using that technology in a way that diminishes the importance of developing skills as a hunter? Or are you reducing hunting to just shooting? And so I'm not going to say, like, I don't think those questions, those hypothetical questions have necessarily an answer. And they're going to be different for different people in different situations. And that's why shooting something at 1,300 yards is not illegal. Just like it talked about in principle too. I'm going to put a link to their website so you can see all these written out. I think it's it's necessary reading for hunters just to understand the the rules of fair chase and that um but that goes back to what they describe as um the fair chase hunter understands that it is not only about just what is legal but also what is honorable and ethical and that's something you have to decide for yourself my job right now in this episode of this podcast is to just kind of help you start thinking about these things and maybe think of it in a different way that you haven't thought about it before and maybe reconsider some of your actions. You know, maybe you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I took a 300-yard shot and I knew my bullet would drop this number of inches, but I wasn't really sure, and so I kind of just held over, and maybe I need to rethink that shot. I don't know, but I think all of us should, like number nine says, take pride in the decisions that we make in the field and take full responsibility for our actions. And I think that is a good kind of last principle to tie it up all together. No matter what you do, what you, your decisions you make, I hope that you're consciously making those decisions and you're taking full responsibility for those actions. So if you take a shot at 1200 yards and during the time that you shoot, the deer stands up and you shoot both of its elbows out instead of hitting it in the vitals, I mean, that could totally happen. There's enough time while that bullet is in the air for that animal to stand up if it's laying down while you shot it. And there's no way for you to know that that was going to happen. I mean, that could still happen at 300 yards, but the consequences are a lot different in that shorter amount of time that the bullet is in the air because, you know, it's only 300 yards. That bullet is there before your recoil is even, like, done affecting you. (laughs) I mean, it depends on on a lot of things but so those are kind of my two questions that I would ask you uh, I think are good questions to ask yourself if you're taking what you might consider a long-range shot can you get any closer and did you get this opportunity because of your shooting skills or because of your hunting skills so yeah I think those are good questions to ask yourself if you're taking what you would consider a long-range shot so another reason why I think people don't like the idea of, of long-range shooting in hunting is because it's not how they personally like to experience a hunt. So in their minds, you're not hunting. You're, you're just making a really skilled shot that happens to enter through the vitals of an animal. You're target shooting at an animal. And I'm, I'm sympathetic to that argument. That was kind of my, my position maybe a couple of years ago when I first really became aware that people were taking really long shots at animals Um, my knee-jerk reaction was just like that's not cool I don't like it but I didn't really think it through and understand so 
you need to understand that people hunt for different reasons. Um, I kind of laid this out in episode two, why I hunt. And there's a lot of reasons why different people hunt. And so I think we need to understand that your ideal situation of what success looks like for you may not be, and probably actually isn't at all, what success looks like for somebody else. So when you project your expectations or your goals or your ideas or definitions of success on somebody else, that's just not fair. And I think there's definitely rules and ethics that we should all follow. I think this list from Boone and Crockett is a really good starting point. And then obviously your local laws and regulations. But then above that, there's individual ideas of success. And those are different for different people. So you can't tell somebody what their definition of success is. And it can even change from hunt to hunt or even day to day. Um, at first light on on opening day of a seven-day hunt, you may not want to shoot the three-and-a-half-year-old three-by-four mule deer that's broadside at 100 yards, and it's a stone's throw away from the truck. You might not want to do that. You might be looking for more of an adventure, so you might go through that whole hunt and go through a lot of different experiences, and then on day six, you shoot that, like, uh, a small three-by-three. And that's your idea of success is just the adventure of it. And that's fine. Your ideas can change with the weather. Like the weather could change and and what you thought was a successful hunt is now um, you're in the fog for three days. And then on the last day it clears out and you don't want to go home empty handed. So you shoot a little fork, a forked horn, a two point. The goal changes all the time. Um, the meaning of the hunt is different for everybody. I think we all just need to agree on a base level of of ethics and then allow people's different definitions of, of success play out for themselves. One thing that we all agree on is that wounding an animal is not ideal and it happens. You can do everything right, but there's always a risk that something bad happens and an animal gets wounded. But for some reason, long range hunting and shooting just attracts people who seem like they're just lying in wait for something bad to happen and then jumping up the opportunity to say, ha, I, that's why I told you you shouldn't shoot past 300 yards or whatever it is. So you'll see that on these videos of long range hunting. The people in the comments, like, you know, if something goes wrong and they have to take a follow up shot, people in the comments just go nuts. They're like, that's why you don't shoot at a thousand yards, whatever. But the truth is we that happens in what most people would consider an ethical fair chase hunt and an archery hunt where the animal has a lot more advantage than they do in a rifle hunt. So wounding an animal can happen to anybody, whether you're shooting at a thousand yards or if you're shooting a bow at 20 yards, things can happen. And you might be able to argue that there's a higher probability of something like that happening with a long range shooting. And you may be right, but let's just take a little, take a little, rest, take a little chill pill a little bit and take a step back and realize that this happens all the time anyway. And nobody wants to wound an animal. So if we take that as a baseline and just stop judging people about their decisions, then I think we're all going to be closer together as a community. And I don't want to be all like mushy or whatever, but the truth is non-hunters 
want to paint us all with a broad brush. They want to say that everybody is like that second hunter example that I gave. Everybody is just out there to just kill stuff. With No matter how it dies, no matter how many shots it takes, we just want to kill deer or elk or whatever. And so we can't give that ammunition to those non-hunters, you know, the proverbial ammunition. We got to stop tearing each other apart. It's one of my big, my biggest pet peeves is when hunters are rude and disrespectful to other hunters and they don't think things through. The other thing to consider is that if you just want to take it from a practical standpoint, one person making a thousand yard shot on an animal doesn't affect you at all. So just leave them alone. The only time that I think technology is going to affect your hunting opportunity or your experience, if that technology makes it too easy to be successful and they have to like decrease the number of tags because the hunter success is going up so rapidly. And you might be able to argue that that's happening with, you know, these scopes that these 22 power scopes with the highly customizable, customizable turrets and dialing distances and stuff like that. Um, I realistically, I don't think that that is affecting the number of tags that are given out every year. Like, I don't think people are just all of a sudden wildly successful with their rifle because there's still a huge barrier to entry to have a successful long range hunting setup. You still have to practice a ton. Like they're like, just not a lot of people in the grand scheme of things are shooting that those long distances and definitely not enough to make the number of tags decrease because hunter success rates are going up too high. I just don't think that that's happening. So you're better off just doing a conservation project, um, donating your time or your money. And then if you still think that it's affecting it, you you can just try and convince people that they shouldn't take long distance shots. So I don't think that's a great argument against long range hunting. I think the better way to approach it is to follow these principles about fair chase and then look to yourself are you taking shots that are ethical? Are you developing your skills as a hunter or as a shooter? And I'm not saying you shouldn't de- develop your skills as a shooter. Obviously you should. But when that opportunity comes, are you given that opportunity because of your skills as a shooter or as a hunter? And how much of your experience in the chase is um, and the success of that chase, whatever your definition of success is, how much of that is due to your skills as a hunter. And I think as hunters, we need to develop our, our hunting skills, our stalking skills, getting closer to animals. And if you ask yourself those two questions, can I get closer? And did I get this opportunity because of my hunting skills or because of my shooting skills? Then I don't think that you're going to take a bad shot, or I don't think you're going to take a shot that is too far. So anyway, these are just my thoughts. This is where I'm at in this conversation. I'm sure a lot of you are going to have opinions on this and I'd love to hear them. So um, you can go leave a comment on the show notes of this page at huntthewest.us slash nine. And you scroll down to the bottom, there's a comment section and just leave a comment and and let me know about your thoughts on long range hunting and how how do you make that decision? How far is too far? And I, there's obviously not a number answer to that question. So, um, keep it, keep your comments civil. Obviously I'll just delete them if you're being a jerk because I have that power. It's my website. (laughs) So just be civil. You know, I want some 
meaningful conversation going on there if there is any. So keep it civil. Write me a comment on there and let me know how you feel about long range shooting or if you learned anything or just whatever you want on there. Huntthewest.us slash nine. I really think this is something that we need to talk about um, in a civil way in the hunting community because it's a topic that I know a lot of people avoid because of the tempers of people. And so I think as long as you are civil, we can talk about it. It doesn't have to be a divisive topic, I don't think. Because if you're not judging other people based on your internal definitions, then everybody can go about doing their their business. And I, I really think that most hunters agree on this subject. And the differences in opinion are just because we don't fully understand each other. So I think the take-home messages from this episode are know your weapon, be good with your weapon, be a good shooter, but more importantly, be a good hunter. Develop your hunting skills and think just the just the simple exercise of thinking through these principles in your head and situations and asking yourself these questions develops you as a hunter. So I hope this has helped you just think about these things and give you something to chew on and talk about with your hunting buddies because I think the more we talk about it the more we're going to come to an agreement and um, become more unified as hunters and because the goal is to get out and hunt we don't want to get out and you know tear each other apart so get out there talk about this with a hunting buddy talk about it with your friends um go leave a comment on the website and let me know what you think huntthewest.us slash nine Leave a comment down there at the bottom of the page. We're going to pick a winner for the t-shirt giveaway for leaving a review. So go write a review on Apple Podcasts um, or wherever you're listening. I think some of the applications don't write reviews, but Apple Podcasts is the main one. Most people listen on there anyway. So leave a review, write a review on there, and I will pick one of those reviews to read on the show and we'll send you a free t-shirt. And speaking of those t-shirts, if you want to just go buy one, the holidays are coming up. If you want to get yourself something nice, the, the shirts are really nice. Um, it supports the show, helps me, you know, keep the website live, keeping keep the podcast online. Those things aren't free, so that'll help the podcast out. But the main thing is I just want everybody to follow these principles of fair chase. I'll leave a link to that on the show notes at huntthewest.us slash nine. We all need to be ethical and participate in the principles of fair chase so i hope that we're all doing that so get out there be ethical and get out there and hunt the west